The first lesson, which is also the sermon text from Nehemiah chapter 8. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who helped the people understand, said to all the people, Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or cry. Because all the people were crying as they heard the words of the law, Nehemiah said to them, Go, eat rich food and drink sweet drinks, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared. Because today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then the Levites silenced all the people, saying, Hush, today is holy, do not grieve. All the people went to eat and drink and to send portions to others and to celebrate with great joy, because they understood the words that had been made known to them. Now on the second day, the heads of the families of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered around Ezra the scribe to study the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses, that the Israelites should dwell in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this and make this announcement in all their cities and in Jerusalem. Go out to the mountains and bring branches from olive trees, wild olive trees, myrtle bushes, date palms, and leafy trees to make shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought branches and made shelters for themselves. Each man made a shelter on his roof. They also made shelters in their courtyards, in the courtyards of the house of God, in the square by the water gate, and in the square by the Ephraim gate. The entire congregation that had returned from the captivity made shelters and stayed in the shelters. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated in this way because there was very great joy. Ezra also read from the book of the law of God every day of the festival, from the first day to the last day. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, they held an assembly according to the ordinance. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please listen carefully to the following story, and as you listen, ask yourself, how realistic do you think this story is? Once there was a Christian church that was holding its annual spring cleaning Saturday. And the goal of this particular spring cleaning Saturday was to get into the closets of the building and clean out the stuff that nobody ever really used anymore. So during this spring cleaning Saturday, one crew was deep in the nether regions of one of the closets of this church where they found a dusty, musty book. But it also looked like it could maybe be old, kind of fancy, possibly expensive. So they took it to their pastor and they gave it to him and they said, Pastor, what's this, this old book we found in the back of a closet? What's this here on the cover? It says Bible. What's that, French or something? And the pastor takes the book in his hands and he blows the dust off the cover and he says, Oh, hold on a second. This here is a, this is a Bible. I've heard of these. I can't remember though. When's the last time I... I saw one or when I used one. How realistic do you think that story is? Guessing you might be thinking, ah, that would never happen. That's not realistic at all. There's no way that any organization, even if they're just nominally Christian, there's no way that any church would ever get that far away from the Word of God that they wouldn't even recognize it if the leader was holding it in his own two hands. Okay, let me tell you this story then. 
Once there was a king named Josiah. Josiah was the king of Judah, which was the southern half of Israel after it cracked in two. Josiah was a good king who wanted to do the Lord's will. And Josiah recognized that the Lord's temple in Jerusalem was in disarray. It was in disrepair due to neglect. So King Josiah ordered a kind of spring cleaning, a restoration and rebuilding of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. And during that rebuilding of the Lord's temple, they found a book, a scroll. And nobody knew what it was. So they took it to the priests. They took it to the high priest. Not, only, not even did the high priest know what it was. Turns out, it was the Bible. At least as much of the Bible as had been written up to that time. And not even the priests, not even the high priests recognized it when they held it in their hands. And that is a true story. You can find it in 2 Kings chapter 22. That's how far the people in Judah had gotten away from God's word. Not, not even their religious leaders recognized it when they were holding it in their hands. And mind you, this was the word of God that Moses had commanded those Israelites to be reading constantly, to be memorizing, to be binding it to their hearts, to be teaching it to their children all day long. And that's how far and how thoroughly they had fallen away from that word. And it wasn't going to be long before those people in Judah paid the consequences for neglecting God's word so bad and so long. It wouldn't be long before the Lord would send in the army of the Babylonians as his personal scourge to conquer those people, to destroy that temple in Jerusalem and drag them away into exile. But as they were sitting there in exile in Babylon, these people of Judah remembered, they remembered at least one thing about the Lord whose word they had neglected so thoroughly and so thoughtlessly. They remembered that the Lord God of Israel is gracious and that when people call out to him for forgiveness, he hears them, he forgives them, and he restores them. So the people did call out to the Lord for forgiveness and restoration. And true to his word, the Lord answered them. He forgave their sin and he restored them. Within just a few generations, they were back in their beautiful homeland of Israel, forgiven and restored. And not only were they back, they were rebuilding their capital city of Jerusalem, the walls around Jerusalem, and the temple that the Babylonians had destroyed. Now the story we hear today happened on the day when the people of Judah completed the walls around their capital city of Jerusalem. And understand, that day when you finish the walls around your capital city, that is a landmark day. Because that's like saying we're alive again. Our nation is open for business. That was a day of major joy and celebration. And on that celebratory day when they finished the walls around Jerusalem, the people of Judah went to their leaders, men named Ezra and Nehemiah, to see what their leaders would have to say to them on this momentous day. And Ezra and Nehemiah used that opportunity to read to the people from the law of the Lord. Now, remember, these are people who just a few generations prior had neglected that word of God so badly that it cost them 70 years in exile. Now... They're back home, forgiven, restored, and they are hearing the word of God for the first time, and this is what happens. All the people were crying as they heard the words of the Lord. Remember, this is supposed to be a day of joy. This is supposed to be a day of celebration, and it turns into a day of weeping and mourning. Why do you think? When these people heard God's law, when they heard his commands, now they realized just how far 
they had fallen short of God's will for their lives. Once they hear God's commands, now they understand just how badly they had broken and neglected those commands that God had given them. And it made them feel so bad, they broke down and they wept over it. Now most often today, it does happen occasionally, but most often today, God's people do not break down and start to cry when they hear his commandments. For example, if I tell you God's command to honor your father and mother, probably you're not going to break down and start sobbing. Or if I tell you not to hurt or harm your neighbor, but to help your neighbor in every need, you probably won't start crying when you hear that commandment. However, God's commandments do still have a way of making us feel guilty, making us feel low when we hear them. For example, when I hear God's commandment not to steal, I naturally think of all the times that I've broken that commandment. I think of all the stuff that I swiped when I was a kid. I think of the thousands of unauthorized chicken McNuggets that I wolfed down when I worked at the grill at McDonald's. I think of the times that I steal from you and steal from God by not giving you my best effort as your pastor. And I don't start crying. I'm not a crybaby. I don't break down and sob. But it does make me feel bad. It makes me feel guilty, low. And that's the effect that God's law, his commandments, have on his people. We hear what God requires of our lives. We hear that he wants us to do those things perfectly. And it just makes us feel low. It makes us feel guilty. And for different Christians, it might be different commandments. See, if a Christian struggles with sexual sins, it's probably the sixth commandment that's going to make them feel terrible. If you're a fan of skipping church, probably the third commandment will make you feel bad. If you're some gossip who likes to talk behind people's backs, then the eighth commandment's going to drag you down. But that's the effect that God's command has on the hearts of his people. And the truth is, it should. It should make us feel bad. It should make us feel guilty because we have broken God's commandments. The truth is, if you can hear God's commands and you don't feel any guilt at all, you don't feel any kind of shame or lowness, then... You're either not listening very carefully or you're not looking at your life very honestly. When the people of Judah heard God's law, it devastated them. But now here's what happens next in the story. Nehemiah and Ezra say to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or cry. Nehemiah said to them, Go, eat rich food and drink sweet drinks and send portions to those who have nothing prepared because today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then the Levites silenced all the people, saying, Hush, today is holy. Do not grieve. All the people went to eat and drink and to send portions to others and to celebrate with great joy, because they understood the words that had been made known to them. So when the people of Judah are sitting there weeping over their sins, their failures to keep God's commandments, What do their leaders, Ezra and Nehemiah, say? Do they stand in front of the people and say, yeah, that's right. Go ahead and cry, you filthy pagans. You deserve to cry because you're such rotten people. No, when Nehemiah and Ezra see the people grieving and weeping over their sin, they say, stop it. Knock it off. Be quiet. This isn't a day to weep and grieve. This is a day to rejoice and to celebrate. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Be quiet, for this day is holy. This was a day for them to celebrate because the Lord had forgiven them. The Lord had restored them and made them holy again. And the proof of it was all around them. 
Here they were, back in their beautiful homeland, out of exile in Babylon. Here they were with the walls of their capital city now complete, their nation restored. The temple that had been destroyed was going up again. Proof of the Lord's forgiveness and love was all around them. So this was not a day for them to cry. This was a day for them to rejoice and be glad. And when God's people today feel low because of their sin, when God's commands drag them down, we need to hear the same basic message that Ezra and Nehemiah said to God's people then. Do not be grieved, be quiet, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, as God forgave the sins of the people of Judah and proved it, surrounded them with evidence of his forgiveness and his restoration, God has done the same for us. He has forgiven our sins, and on Christmas night, we see proof of that forgiveness. We see God's own Son coming into this world to keep all of his commandments perfectly from top to bottom and to do it for our sake as our substitute. So we have perfection in God's eyes and nothing to feel guilty about anymore. We see proof of God's love, not only in that holy life, but that Jesus took that life to the cross and took the sacrifice for all of our sins, took the punishment for those sins and washed them all away. We see proof of God's forgiveness. In Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning, that shows us without a doubt that what Jesus did to take our sins away was effective. It worked. And death has been swallowed up by Jesus' Easter victory. That saving work of Jesus Christ is our proof of God's forgiveness, that he has restored us as his people. That saving work of Jesus Christ, that is our joy as Christians. That is the end of our weeping and sadness. That is the end of guilt and shame for our sins. And that is our power to listen to the words of Nehemiah and Ezra. Go, eat rich food and drink sweet drinks and send portions to those who have nothing prepared because today is holy to our Lord. We have the joy of the saving work of Jesus Christ. In this season of Advent, we are preparing our hearts for Jesus. Your heart is prepared for Jesus if God has worked repentance in your heart. Repentance is being sorry for your sin, and it's looking to Jesus Christ and his saving work for forgiveness. So the thing is, if God has given you a repentant heart, you will have joy as you wait for Jesus Christ, because you will know the forgiveness that is his, that he has won for you. So, as you are waiting for Jesus to come, as you are waiting to celebrate his arrival on Christmas, and as you are waiting for him to come on Judgment Day, have joy. Enjoy your life in the world. Eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, show your joy by sharing with people who do not have as much. Be a joyful person. See, people who have this perception that Christianity is about being dour and sour and stern and serious all the time, they're really missing it. Christianity is mainly joy. It is joy in our hearts, joy in our lives, in Jesus' salvation. Now, there's one more thing in this story about the people of Judah. And this is the part that actually takes up the bulk of the text. After the people broke down and wept, and after Ezra and Nehemiah told them, no, don't do that. You're forgiven. You're restored. The people spent the rest of the time listening to the rest of the law of the Lord, and it turned out that the Lord had commanded them to hold a festival every year right around that time, which, of course, they had not done up to that point because they hadn't been paying attention to the law of the Lord. But now they heard it, 
And in response to the Lord's forgiveness and restoration, with joy in their hearts, they went out and they carried out this festival that the Lord wanted them to have. And you hear the word festival and you think, well, that's not so hard. Who, who doesn't like having a festival? Look at the instructions for this thing. This was a major job to have these festivals the way the Lord wanted them to do it. But they did it with joyful hearts. They listened to the Lord's command and now they carried it out in the joy of God's salvation. And God's people today, too, with the joy of Christ's saving work in our hearts, we listen again to God's commands, to how he wants us to live our lives. And we keep those commands, not under compulsion, not because we're afraid that God is going to punish us if we don't, but we keep those commandments simply because we have the joy of Christ's salvation in our hearts. So keeping God's commands, that is not a drag on our joy, that does not reduce our joy. It enhances our joy. Because listening to those commands, carrying them out, that's our opportunity to thank our loving Lord who has forgiven us in his Son. As you wait for Christ to come, when you do feel guilty for any failures in your life, turn back to the cross, to the empty tomb of Jesus. See the evidence of God's forgiveness and salvation for you. And wait for Jesus to come in joy. Live your life in this world in joy. As part of that joyful life, hear God's commands and carry them out with your joyful heart. Amen.